Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Hello, everyone. Welcome to an amazing, very special episode of Radically Loved. Today, I am standing in for Rosie. Obviously, I'm not the amazing Rosie, but I'll do my best to be a gracious host for you all. And thanks for tuning in to this very special episode of Wisdom Wednesday. We have an amazing guest on the show today, Saraswati Hewitt. Thank you so much for being here. Say hello, Saraswati. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. We're so blessed. I have had the pleasure of studying with Saraswati for several years now, so I'm super excited for her to share her knowledge with all of you, because every time I'm in a training with you, Saraswati, you blow my mind. (laughs) (laughs) And I know I'm not alone in that. (laughs) So we have so many topics, so many cool topics to talk about, but your your expertise in your area of real passion is around neurobiology, the neuroscience behind sleep and yin yoga and the effects that has on the body in particular. I think also you're an expert on PTSD and and, uh, trauma in the body. Yeah. As well. I know you have like such a really interesting background, a dance background, always very physically active in your body. I think also have healed yourself through the practices of yin yoga and studying neurobiology and understanding the psychology of sleep and what it really does for us. So those are things that I really want to just dive into today. Is there anything yeah. to add to my introduction before we start? Yeah. So I teach, I teach yoga in Portland, Oregon, and I've been teaching for about 17 years and I grew up as a dancer um, and I played all kinds of different sports. I started officially studying anatomy when I was around 16 years old and I was teaching yoga by the time I was around 22. But I always tell people my joke is I'm always like, I'm not just here to sell you hot pants. And really that because of my experience having depression and anxiety and PTSD insomnia, eating disorder recovery, trauma addiction, because I dealt with all those things in my own experience, I was able to see not just in the studies in neurobiology, but really firsthand how the practices of yoga and meditation affected each of those conditions. Yeah. Oh, so good. So let's dive into the sleep science. I know that you are able to talk at length and it's such a vast topic. So I'm going to leave it open-ended and let you start where you want to start. Oh, okay. So sleep really for me, a lot of what I teach now is about sleep hygiene and specifically about how yin yoga helps create this domino effect of health so that we sleep better. And for me, it started as when I I have two children, my kids are 13 and 11. And when I was pregnant, I had a condition, hyperemesis gravidarum. So I was really, really sick. And my sleep was really disturbed during pregnancy. And so with my disruption of sleep and then raising kids and more disruption of sleep, I would stay up at night and I would memorize lectures on neuroendocrinology from Stanford because I couldn't sleep. And my insomnia was really taxing me. And so when I started teaching yin, I talked about what we call the triangle connection. And so I started to see this triangle connection between mental health, 
the gut digestive and sleep. And yin was like right in the middle. And I knew that yin yoga was helping all these things. But at first I was more talking about and kind of noticing the aspects of how it was affecting mental health and the gut. And then one day my student, this guy, Kevin K came in and he was like, you have to read this book, Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. He's like, it's just going to, it's going to be like the missing piece to the puzzle, which it really was. And what I did was I took a month off of teaching yoga to read the book multiple times and to memorize its content and connect what they had researched and discovered and connect that with why yin yoga was working. Another piece that's sort of been an important piece to that puzzle is the work of Dr. Lisa Sardinia, who has connected new stuff about gut and anxiety. So we really saw the effects of yin before we understood how it worked, which I kind of love that it was like, we didn't know how it was working. We just knew that it worked. I had people coming in and they were like, why is this helping my insomnia? You know, why is yin yoga helping my PTSD and my anxiety? And we were like, I don't know. See you Thursday, right? Like we had no (laughs) idea. We just knew that it worked. And so I had to kind of go back to the data to understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. So first of all, sleep is not negotiable. And the main thing that society has really, one of the main things that we kind of get an F in is that we attempted to wrap sleep around society. And what we should have done is we should have wrapped society around sleep because sleep is not negotiable. And we used to all live in tribes. So we each have different chronotypes when we need to be sleeping, when we need to be awake is different for each of us. And so like for me, for example, I'm a morning person. I'm going to wake up like 6am, no alarm, but for me to get the eight hours I need, have to go to bed between nine or 10. Mm -hmm. And when we sleep, we don't just have sleep. We have different realms of sleep. I always describe, so like, I'm going to show you with my cup. So if my cup is this like 90 minute container of sleep in the first part of the night, we have primarily NREM, which is non-rapid eye movement and deep sleep. NREM has four different sections in it, but we know that it's kind of like it's older in the evolutionary realm. It's older than REM, which is the dream realm. So in the first part of the night, if this is the first 90 minute container, we imagine that there's only a tiny bit of REM. There's just a tiny, tiny bit of dreams. But in the next container, there's a little bit more. And in the next, there's more and more. So that by the time we get to the last hour of a like eight hour sleep cycle, that's where about 70 to 90% of the dreams are. So at the first part of the night is the NREM, and then you have the REM, which means that when we lose sleep, depending on when we lose it, that has different effects. And a huge part of what I was seeing was that people, when they were doing yin, they would not only sleep better, but they were discovering that it was helping like their gut and their emotional processing. And the discovery from Dr. Walker and from a lot of these teams is that REM dream realm does three major things. One is that it's all about creativity. The other is that it's the only time in our entire lives when all of the muscles relax. And the third, and in some ways the most important, it's where all of the emotional processing happens. Mm -hmm. So what I figured out is that when we have traditional insomnia, a doctor is supposed to have you do a cognitive behavioral therapy, a kind of processing 
because our technology is so fun and exciting, but it's problematic because we're never bored. And we need boredom and processing during the day. I know it's so funny. It's so real. It's like hilarious, but like, we're just never bored. Our technology is too sweet, right? It's too much fun, social media. And then what happens is we don't have the time to process. So then we lay down at night and we get insomnia and the brain will start that kind of processing that it should have been doing throughout the day. Mm. And so what I figured out is that there's a couple things that go on with yin. One is that we create a container, which is kind of boring. <laughs> I, I tell people, I'm like, get ready for an awesome hour of being bored. And, <laughs> and like a lot of it is we need that time to process. That's part of how it helps remove insomnia. But when I teach, I add in pieces about neurobiology. I talk about, you know, ancient yoga text and I make a note to say, let your mind wander, you know, notice if you're thinking about the past or the future, whatever is going on, this is like a pre-cleansing so that when you lay down tonight, you can sleep mm -hmm. and then we sleep and then we dream and we process emotion and then we wake up and we feel better. And there are multiple components. Like if people are physically sore, it's hard for them to sleep. So then when they do yin, they're not only getting muscle work, but we're getting into the fascia and the connective tissue. So on the mat, they're processing, they're getting that deep stretching. It not only helps to remove any kind of inflammation and stress in the body, but then by sleeping and dreaming and allowing the muscles to actually rest and repair, they wake up and they feel amazing. So yeah, a lot of it too, um, we know that when we don't sleep well, that really messes with the bacteria that live, um, I have to say on us, because technically they're not in us. We're like a donut. So we're covered with bacteria and we actually have more bacteria than we have human cells. So we, by mass, we have more human cells, but by number, more bacteria, which is kind of gnarly and amazing. So we have <laughs> so many bacteria that we're in relationship with. And if we don't sleep well, that messes with the gut. So this started to make sense as to people, you know, why people are doing yin and their, their guts feeling better. And then we're seeing all these connections now between not only the gut, but the type of bacteria that live in the gut. And now, like I said, Dr. Lisa Sardinia, they're realizing that when you have certain types of bacteria or when some are not present, there is a direct correlation between that and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So by practicing yin, it sets off this whole domino effect of health and it targets all these different areas. Oh, I just love, I love to hear you speak to me like this, Saraswati, <laughs> keep, keep it coming. So, but I do have some, <laughs> I do have some questions. I'm thinking back to, uh, training we had together a few years ago, we were studying yoga nidra, which I believe is like an adjacent yin yeah. practice. And as it relates to sleep, one thing that I found so fascinating, I think you were the one that was talking about the, the different stages of sleep in terms of brain waves, like the theta, the beta, and I believe delta, right? Yeah. And how that parallels with the stages or the stage that we're reaching in yoga nidra, which what is the text that details that it's the Upanishads have yeah. a section where they broke it down. Yeah. And what I, what I think I was actually talking about, um, I'm like, conveniently, I got it right here for There's, us. Right? Yes, the ohm. It's mm -hmm. right there. Yeah. yeah. And so this is one of those things where when I'm looking at modern neurobiology 
and ancient yoga over and over again, I had these moments where I'm like, this is the same thing. Whether or not we're using the same language, there are major similarities. And so when we're looking at the design of Om, Om is not one symbol, but multiple symbols. And so you have, I believe it's Vaishvanara, Taijasa, Prajna, Turya, uh, and then like the Maya, like the illusion before you get to Turya. So there's like all these different qualities. And what they describe is the waking state, the sleeping state without dreams, the sleeping state with dreams. And then this alternate, like the um, Turya, which is like the fourth, like this ultimate space. But what's really wild is that they knew that we had different types of sleep. And that in itself is phenomenal. Also, when we dream, all of the rules are broken, right? You can fly, you can see colors and things that we don't have words for, right? Because the brain is making us more creative. But yoga has not only known that for a long time, but the ancient texts, also even like um, Tibetan Book of the Dead and some of the ancient texts, they emphasize learning how to lucid dream because nothing could be more profound than to wake up in your dreams and to have control of the dream realm in a space where all the rules are broken. Because what happens is when we realize that, that in itself is a kind of breaking through illusion, breaking through Maya, when you go, well, what is this, right? When we, I mean, it gets real weird real fast with quantum physics anyway, right? Where we're like, well, what is this? <laughs> yeah. you know, what does it even all mean? And if you can go into the dream realm, and all these rules are broken. Like, what does that mean? And when we dream, our brain, parts of our brain are more active. Some parts are like 30% more active mm -hmm. than when we are actually awake. If you look on an MRI scan at people who are awake and people are dreaming, you can't tell a difference. You have to look at the body. You have to look at the muscles because the brain doesn't know the difference, which is why our dreams feel so real because the brain doesn't know the difference. But when we tap into dreams, when we tap into this awareness of the waking state is only the smallest slice. When you start to become aware of sleep and of dreaming and of lucid dreaming, this not only makes us more creative, but it makes us question in this larger sense what is possible. And in yoga in general, I see that People come to yoga and it might start with the asana where they come to yoga and they do yoga and they find that they can stretch or they can, you know, move into a split or a backbend or a handstand, or they can, you know, they can sit for five minutes and breathe. And when they do something that they didn't know they could do, there's these moments of like, oh, there's like aha moments where we're like, whoa, well, if I can do that and I didn't know what else can I do, right? Mm -hmm. What else is possible in my life if all these things in yoga and meditation are possible and I didn't even know that? And so it's interesting that the symbol of Om and that awareness of the function of the brain is something that yoga knew way before we had the technology to understand it. It's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. So cool. I do yeah. want to say that for those of you listening this might be a really good one to go head over to the YouTube channel and watch since Saraswati has the Om symbol tattooed on her finger and also the demonstration you did with the cup, Saraswati, to like yeah. really visualize and get a tangible sense of the stages of sleep and how that relates to neuroscience and our ability to 
heal and feel better and wake up feeling refreshed and ready for the day. One of my sister's biggest complaints about her kitty litter was that it would get clumpy and the dust would go everywhere and it would trap the odor basically in the entire house. When I told her about Pretty Litter's crystal formula being lightweight, ultra-absorbent and long-lasting and how it traps odors instantly and it doesn't clump, she was sold. Also, Tessa, our beloved co-host for Wisdom Wednesday, is also a fan of Pretty Litter. The super light crystal base is virtually dust-free, so it minimizes the mess. Plus, Pretty Litter's crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping for them. I love both my cat nieces, and I really do wish that I could have them around, but you all know that I have three humongous animals. Back to Pretty Litter. Here's the smartest thing about Pretty Litter, that the crystals, they change color to help you detect early signs of any potential illness. That includes urinary tract infections and kidney issues, which apparently is a thing. Another bonus that it ships directly to your door in a lightweight bag. So you never have to run out or you never have to get this huge container taking up space. All my cat people love Pretty Litter and you will too. If you head over to prettylitter.com and use the promo code LOVED, you'll save 20% off of your first order. That's prettylitter.com and use the promo code LOVED to save 20% off of your first order. www.prettylitter.com and use the promo code LOVED. Ever since I was a little girl, I loved playing mystery games. And some of you have seen me talk about this on Instagram as one of my favorite ways to entertain myself as opposed to scrolling or reading something that's not going to make me feel awesome. And most of the time this happens when I need a little pick-me-up or I'm wanting to get my mind off of something that, again, isn't making my body feel good. I know it's time to awaken my inner detective. This game makes you heavily rely on your memory. So for me, it's definitely a practice in mindfulness. June's Journey has over 30 million downloads. So if you want to play a game that makes you think, download June's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. One of my common frustrations with the world of periods has always been finding something that's eco-friendly. I've always struggled to find the right way to care for my period and also for the planet. But now you can have a period product that looks out for your body, your lifestyle, and the planet. That's Flex. Flex period products are easy to use, body safe, and made for all day comfort. The Flex disc is a single-use menstrual disc that can be worn for up to 12 hours and hold as much flow as three super tampons. The disc is not like any other cup you've seen or used before. It's pretty lightweight, it's comfortable, you can barely feel it, and it can even help you reduce cramps. It's easy to use and easy to insert. You gotta just, you know, it's all about the technique. You gotta bear down and then you just slip it right in. Look, you've used other types of products before, but this one is not like anything else that you've used. And the disc also creates 60% less waste compared to traditional products. And if you want to go zero waste and have the planet love you even more, you can pick up the Flex Cup, the reusable menstrual cup ranked number one by Cosmo in 2020. Here's the trick. It has a patented pull tab that makes this cup an absolute game changer. It's the only cup on the market that removes just like a tampon, so you already know how to use that. And here's the best part. One Flex Cup lasts for years, so it's not only good for the planet, it's great for your wallet too. 
There are some really cool, helpful videos and in-depth diagrams, and they also have Flex Spurts available to walk you through the entire process. You'll fall in love with Flex in no time. So say goodbye to cramps, put sex back on the table, and lend Mother Nature a hand. With Flex, you can do it all. Go to flexfits.com forward slash loved and use the code loved for 20% off Flex Disc Starter Kits or 10% off of your first Flex Cup. You also get free shipping if you're in the U.S. So head over to flexfits.com forward slash loved and use the code loved to save on Flex at www.flexfits.com f-l-e-x fits f-i-t-s dot com forward slash loved okay here's my latest obsession with the things that I wear I need to wear something that is ultimately comfortable back in the day I'd wear really uncomfortable heels or I'd wear something that was a little extra tight today I'm all about the comfort Rothy's could be your new everyday shoe obsession. Rothy's shoes give you the right out of the box comfort and they come in amazing styles and colorways and you can wash them. The best part is everything Rothy's makes is better for the planet. They've repurposed millions of water bottles into their signature thread that goes into every single one of their products. And if you're like me, I want to do everything in my power to contribute to saving the planet. Right now, I'm currently wearing The Point. It is so comfortable and it looks classy and I can wear it with jeans. I can wear it with my yoga pants and it's feeling even cozier after its first wash. So you can step up your shoes and accessories this spring and get ready to be asked, are those Rothy's? Plus you'll get $20 off of your first purchase. Head over to rothys.com forward slash loved. That's www.rothys.com forward slash loved to get $20 off of your first purchase. rothys.com forward slash loved. I would love to hear you talk about PTSD, trauma, as it relates yeah. to both sleep and the and, and all of these ancient practices. Yeah. It's kind so, of an open-ended statement, but um, go ahead. <laughs> PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, there are many things that are different in the brain of someone with, with PTSD. And I always make a note when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about it as someone that has PTSD. So mm-hmm. as I was learning about these things, part of my advantage was I was looking from this lens of not only someone who has PTSD, but understanding neurobiology and understanding yoga and kind of piecing together what the intersection is. So part of what makes PTSD what it is. So for starters, the perception itself is changed. So someone with PTSD, myself included, we can view a face. And even if that person is making a kind face, we might not actually process it the same. Now, what's Mm -hmm. interesting is that we know Anybody who doesn't sleep well, that's what happens in their brain. So if we don't sleep well, it makes it more challenging to read faces. So then imagine someone with PTSD being underslept. You can just start to see how challenging it would be for the brain to process the things that are going on inside and around. There is often changes that happen in the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. There are changes that start to happen when we have PTSD. But the main thing is that PTSD specifically comes with reoccurring nightmares. And in the studies of sleep, this is something that 
pretty much all of us got wrong. Everybody assumed that nightmares must be terrible, right? It's like they're terrible, so they must be terrible, but nothing could be further from the truth. Nightmares are the way that the brain, that the body, that the system is processing and attempting to work through something. What the data shows is that reoccurring nightmares will happen like around the time that the trauma is onset. For some reason, the person is not able to sleep and or dream. And then it becomes the brain locked in this specific dream, trying to work through it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I realized is that when I first started teaching yin, I had three people in particular that I was working with, two men and one woman, all who were vets who had been at war. And they not only had PTSD, but they were having reoccurring nightmares. And of course, what I was noticing was that yin was helping, but I didn't quite understand why until we understood more about how the dreams allow us to process emotion. And I began to realize that most of us who have PTSD will knowingly or unknowingly block the dream realm because alcohol and THC block the dream realm. Mm. And so this is where people can get wrapped in cycles and then they can feel very stuck. So if we become a heavy drinker or if we're smoking a lot of marijuana, we don't often know that that THC and the alcohol is actually then blocking the dreams and making it even more challenging to process. And so my whole thing is I never tell people to stop doing anything. I just, I say, start doing yin because yin sets off this domino effect. And also I think it's really important that people have the data. If we know that THC and alcohol block REM, that's the first piece. It's like understanding the science behind it and knowing that each human does what they do for reasons. We always say in the neuropsych realm that nothing happens in a vacuum, right? But if we understand that it's possible the trauma itself became so overwhelming that maybe we used alcohol or something to cover that up when we understand that that very thing that may have at one point helped could be the thing not allowing us to process. Then by knowing that it can give people an opportunity to understand more about the system and what happens when we remove alcohol and THC. Mm, yeah. yeah. I'm wondering is there an ability to enjoy recreationally? Like if you're someone who enjoys a glass of wine, but it's not an addiction per se, or like, I don't know, is it, is it always a numbing habit or is it possible to enjoy and still get the, the REM cycle? You know, it's different for everybody, but the main thing would have to do with when we did it. So the later at night that we consume, that's going to stay in the system for longer. I know that caffeine's in the system for like eight hours. I believe, I don't want to give you the wrong answer. I can't remember because I believe that different livers and different bodies are going to process alcohol in a different yeah. way. But in general, if we have something, if we have something later at night, it's going to be in the system. So one thing that I tell people if they are smoking marijuana, for example, or they're trying to cut down, I say, do less at night if possible, or add in CBD and lower the THC because mm -hmm. the THC is what's blocking. For people that might want to have a glass of wine, maybe don't or have it before five o'clock or something. I know it's a little bit early, right? But yeah, it's like maybe, you know, just being aware of the, the time. And each of us can not only do experiments on our own to see, you know, was I dreaming? Do I remember my dreams? Mm -hmm. But now 
in a funny way, the very way that technology kind of has messed with things and created all this blue light and keeps us from sleeping. Well, it may be part of what helps us because now a lot of the crew has these watches and these watches, some of these watches tell people how much REM they're getting. So I have a bunch of yoga students. I work with them and we collect data. And I say, watch how your REM changes when you do yin. And for every single person, they see big changes in the REM once they start doing yin. So part of it is for each individual getting to know what happens, you know, what is going on with my REM levels when I have a glass at five o'clock as opposed to eight, as opposed to nothing. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people to each individual experience, right? It is our individual experience. One size does not fit all with yoga. We can do so much better than that now. And to be patient and kind with the self. And again, to understand that nothing happens in a vacuum. Each person is working on finding healing in their own way. So just being very patient with the self. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good, I love that reminder. Thank you. Yeah, totally. And similarly, I'm wondering about the time of day for a yin practice. It seems like it would follow logically that before bed would be ideal. Once in a while, I will see on schedules a morning yin class or an afternoon. Yeah. It's pretty rare, but sometimes you see it. So could you speak to the time of day for practices like that as well? Yeah. I mean, yin can be practiced anytime. The practice of yin yoga is technically the stretching from the Kung Fu realm that originates from a traditional Chinese family in the Tai Ching Pekwar monkey style Kung Fu realm. So for a long time, yin was never separate from Kung Fu only until very recently. So actually, traditionally, it would have been something that you practice probably between 10 and 12, and then you'd wait about 30 minutes and do your Kung Fu stances. So even though we've made it seem as like an evening practice now, it can be done anytime. And the main component is just allowing that kind of processing, which naturally goes on in yin. The one thing to know, and I'm laughing as I say this, because I teach some of these late yin classes, and then I have to get home and go to bed because otherwise I won't get enough sleep if I teach too late. A lot of it is getting to know the chronotype. Because for example, if somebody is meant to be in bed you know, at nine or 10, and then they're not getting to sleep at 11 because they did a late yin class, it might be better to do an earlier one. But I also, you know, I, I talk a lot now with people um, when we're thinking about innovation and creativity, we know now that if, for example, someone is a night owl and naturally wants to be awake until 10 or more like um, 12 to two, that person to get their eight hours They can't be waking up at five or six to go running or to be at their job. Mm -hmm. They have to sleep until eight to get that full realm. So if somebody, for example, is like, well, I don't get a lot of sleep, but I'm up at five at the gym. I'm like, maybe not the best thing. And so with all of our practices, whether it's weights, yoga, right, running, whatever we do, I say, whatever you're doing, make sure that it's helping you sleep. If it's not helping you sleep, We have to think about why we do it and when, and if there's a better way to sort of schedule it so that the whole point is that we get better sleep. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So one other topic, I think I have two kind of last questions for you. I want to be mindful of your time, but 
I love to hear you speak about, and I think the audience would also enjoy this, embodying the divine feminine. The idea of, I don't know, embracing, you know, however you identify binary, non-binary, male, female, they, them. I feel like there's this aspect of femininity that we can all really embrace in terms of divinity and what that means in our physical body, in our mental body, in our emotional body. Could you speak to that subject for a little bit? Yeah. And one thing that we talked about in that section is I think that something, and, and, and part of it has to do with evolution. There is a component with intuition and listening to the self and being aware of how the things that we do, the things that we say, the energetic arrows that we shoot, that they matter and that they not only affect everything around us, but they affect us internally. And the more we get to know the body, and this is through practices of yoga, meditation, anytime we get to know more about the self, what we are doing is we are learning to more intensely listen to the intuition. And the intuition is not like a concept, right? It's based in neurobiology. This sort of gut feeling, right? The butterfly mechanism that we feel in the gut. This is something that used to be something that's told the body, don't eat those berries. Remember, don't eat those berries or don't eat this. This is poisonous in the jungle or the woods. That has actually flipped its mechanism to now alert us of psychological danger. And so when we listen to the body, when we are aware of how things make us feel, this in itself is a really beautiful, ancient, intuitive practice. And when we are connected to our environment, when we are able to like listen to the body, what we're actually doing, those little bacteria that are all over us, they're communicating with us. We are in this fucking, excuse me, amazing, like connection in this symbiotic (laughs) relationship. Like it blows my mind. Like the bacteria in our gut can smell things that we don't even know that they're smelling. Mm. They can tell us go toward this or stay away from this. And I think I talked about that study that they called the white t-shirt study where at one point, right. They, they had men sweat with no deodorant in these white t-shirts. And then they had women come and smell the shirts and see how they felt about the smell. And what they found from the data was that when the women liked the smell, they would look and see that these two people were a good genetic match to make a baby. And if they didn't like the smell, it was not a good genetic match. And so there are multiple components. We we also have to note that we might come to a situation where we like or dislike the way that maybe a person's face looks. And that could be based in memory. It could be like, wow, you look like someone I fell in love with. I love your face. Or it could be like, you look like someone that broke my heart. I don't love your face. Right. And so (laughs) there could be that, but a lot of times we are sensing and smelling someone and we can even smell intention because we can smell things like adrenaline. Um, Dogs and bees, other creatures are really good at sensing that humans are becoming more aware. And what I see happening is that the world is allowing women and those that identify as, you know, women to embrace that more. But this is something that we should all be embracing is listening to the body, because what that is, is not just like a connection with the earth, but it is a connection with the bacteria and with the tiniest components of the self. So when, when we're practicing yoga a lot of what we're doing is we're starting to see on this deeper level how things make us feel. 
you know, oh, how does it feel when I eat this? How does it feel when I'm around this person? How does it feel when I sleep better or when I don't sleep better? When we practice, our perception is heightened. And this is one of those things also where it's not just a concept. We see that the brains of people that do yoga and meditate, they change. It increases the gray matter in the prefrontal cortex, which is executive decision-making. When we practice, we become more aware. So then we are like heightening our own senses and becoming more aware of how things make us feel. Thank you. Also, I want to mention this. I think I had talked about this too, that so often in history, women and those that identify as women they can be erased from the data. But I remember mentioning that, you know, we think of Hafiz and Rumi as these great poets, but Rumi was inspired by Rabia of Basra, who lived in what is now modern day Iraq, who preceded Rumi by, I think, like 500 years or something. And she was not only someone who wrote this beautiful, sensual poetry but she's somebody who did it way before anyone else. And so I think a lot of it is uncovering that there are all these amazing things that are going on and that have been going on for centuries, but that, you know, honestly, it's, um, you know, the white dudes with the publisher who were able to get their stuff out there, but there is so much that we can uncover and looking at ancient text from, Africa, from Asia, right? From all these different places, there is so much information that has been there for such a long time. Um, We just have to be able to uncover it and to listen to these great teachers that have been around for a really, really long time. Yeah. Thank you. That's a great reminder as well. All these wonderful wisdom nuggets. Thank you, Saraswati. I'm I'm wondering where people can go to practice with you, whether it's in person or online. Yeah. How can they find out more and connect with you? They can find me on things like Instagram. I do have my website, which is just my name, sarasvatihewitt.com. I have live classes I teach here in Portland, Oregon. I also have some videos that I've recorded and I have actually sections like on YouTube. I even have like lecture sections on the gut and anxiety and stuff about sleep. There's a whole section that's just about the neurobiology of relationships So yeah, I've been creating more video content, but I also do some live classes and lots of in-person stuff here in Portland, Oregon. We're so blessed to have you here. I happen to be in the Pacific Northwest. I get to practice with Saraswati. I just feel so lucky. Thank you for showing up and sharing your wisdom and your grace with us and all of these amazing things that you've studied and, and learned over the years. I find it so valuable and I know listeners will too. So thank you for your time. Oh, thank you so much. And you know, I just want to say in closing that it is the work of people like Dr. Matthew Walker and you know Einstein and Dr. Sardinia. Like we say that we stand on the shoulders of giants. And so it is all of the work of so many people that allows us to do the work that we do. And we teach so that these future generations will have more knowledge and then they can go out into the world and make it more beautiful and create better change. Yeah, I love that saying. So I hope you enjoyed this special episode of Wisdom Wednesday. If you found it useful, if you're thinking of somebody in your life who could benefit from this episode in particular, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review and share on the socials. Thank you. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved Podcast. 
Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com.